Welcome to another episode of Imposters Anonymous. As usual, if you're new to the podcast, I strongly encourage you to pause and take a moment to listen to the intro to the show. It's technically the first episode and is about seven minutes long, provides some pretty important context about the nature of this project and how it differs from most. Otherwise, if you'd like to skip the housekeeping altogether and just jump forward about a minute and a half and listen for the music, no hard feelings. There's not too much to report beyond that the project is continuing to grow its online presence. So if you're enjoying the show, for better or worse, we are now on Instagram and Twitter. So you can follow us there for some additional content or to reach out directly. But still, the best way to support the show is through subscribing to our Substack, which is a newsletter that offers supplemental content and in time will offer more interactivity for the AI community. That can be found at impostorsanonymous.substack.com. As I'm sure you know, any support is quite meaningful and helps grow the project. So I'm always trying to improve and expand things here. So reviews on Apple Podcasts certainly can help make that possible. But that's all for now, and I hope you enjoy. You don't know how lucky you are being a monkey. to Imposters Anonymous. Anna, thanks for doing this. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, I, I appreciate you making the time. It's it's one I've been looking forward to for a while now, uh, just because I, I find a lot of what you what you talk about and, and what you express to be to be fascinating and, and unique. So I'm I'm definitely excited to see where this where this one goes. And once again, just just happy to have you here. Thank you. I'm I'm also very excited. Um, um, and the question, where is it going to bring us? This is, um, I love that because, um, we don't know, but in like two hours we know, and now we don't know. And I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's certainly at the heart of this, this whole project is just kind of seeing where conversation goes when we, we try to leave certain expectations and Mm -hmm. labels at the door. And Mm -hmm. a lot of times it, it goes in, in unexpected directions, but I, I think that's maybe at least to me what's most enjoyable about doing all this is that I, I don't always know and I end up stumbling upon things that I, I never thought that I would. Uh, but it is always a little bit of a, a leap of faith by by me and and my guests for for doing this. So I, mm-hmm. I appreciate you and, and everything that you're here to express. Mm-hmm. Thank you. But you know, I have to mention that your format, I mean, I just, I'm in love with it. I'm in love what you do. And, um, and I, I've been thinking about it because I mean, this is the first time I've been doing so many interviews already. And, um, but I always, I'm always very prepared. And I ask myself, why, you know, why do I have to be uh, so prepared and now with you today it's for me uh, the first time that I'm trying to speak um, without writing it down before and um, mm-hmm. and I mean this is something which is 
deep, actually. So, I mean, why do we have to, why do I prepare um, where I can be like seen? And mm-hmm. and now here it's it's anonymous and and I feel free and I mm. feel good. And um, I think there many people maybe felt that like this um, before when they were mm-hmm. with you. And um, so, so this is really, I, I love your format. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I appreciate that so much. And it, it definitely resonates with me a lot just to, to hear someone say that they're having the sort of experience that I was, I was hoping to create mm-hmm. here from the, from the very beginning. But yeah, I think we have this really interesting and natural segue into a, into a topic that you, you have a lot of let's just say knowledge about by the fact that we are actually very literally in quite different time zones. So (laughs) I I haven't eaten lunch and you are six hours ahead for whatever that means. Right. But (laughs) we are, we're sharing this moment in Mm -hmm. time. It feels like it. We're, we're on the same planet where we're sharing the same moment, but from a relative perspective, it's, we're having kind of different experiences that you you're just in a different part of your day and it is technically a different time there. And I, I find that to just be super interesting the way that humans have decided to, to construct this thing that, that we call time to, to be able to organize our lives. And of course, like we couldn't be doing this right now if there, if it weren't for time, because how could we arrange this meeting? How could we have shown up here together today? But at the same time, it does feel kind of arbitrary at a, at a certain point where we're, we're all in the same place, really. Mm-hmm. And yet we, we put these different labels on our, uh, in a way to quantify our experience, uh, in a way that's helpful, but also when you pressure it at all, it, it kind of, uh, it starts to fall away a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, you know, the thing with, um, with time, well, God, we have so much to talk about. (laughs) Um, I mean, what I think is one of the biggest mistakes, what we have done with time uh, right now, as I I see it, is that we take the topic time, or not the topic, we take time and we put it on a throne, and not Mm -hmm. everyone can have it. Just the ones who manage it well and just... um, and uh, some have time, some don't have time, and they who don't have time, they feel bad about it. And and um, time, I mean, time is something everyone has the same amount of it. Afterwards, we can talk about a little bit more about the relative stuff, but um, it's, I mean, it's not correct. We all have the same amount of time. And, um, but we, we get the thing. I mean, I, I remember once uh, someone asked me, so Anna, um, do you have time? I say, yeah, I have time. Oh, oh, I also want to be there where I have time. And I just didn't get it. I thought, Mm. yeah, but (laughs) we have the same amount (laughs) of time. I don't get it. Why don't you have time? And she said, yeah, but you know, Uh, When I go to bed in the evening, I just feel so frustrated because I haven't done this and this and this and that. Mm -hmm. And, um, and yeah, I mean, there comes the the classic concept of time management that uh, we have 24 hours and 
what do we do? Um, mm. What do we put in there? And I think the today's problem also with society is that, I mean, I mean, what happened in the last years now, suddenly we have an explosion of possibilities. It's mm -hmm. like we we have it's shown to us every single day what's possible out there. And mm -hmm. our mind, we are curious. I mean, the human beings are curious and um, they go like, oh, I could do this and I could do that. And and um, and suddenly you you have on the one side, you have the 24 hours and then you, on the other side, you suddenly have this explosion of possibilities. Mm -hmm. And that's where the balance isn't there anymore. So we try to, because now to get back to this friend of mine who said she doesn't have time, I... I, she said, help me. And she said, you, 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 you are, you do the th thing time. And I said, yeah, but um, I'm no coach. I am nothing like that. And she said, yeah, but help me. I said, all right. So uh, what do you want to do in your 24 hours? Just a very mm -hmm. simple question. What do you want to do in your 24 hours? And she started saying, I want to do this and that, and I must do that. And this has to be in there. And I was noting it all down. And in the end, I, I thought, okay, so she needs to be more analytical here. And I said, okay, so tell me how much time do you need for each task? Like really mm -hmm. boring old classic time management, which I don't like. actually. <laughs> and, um, and she was telling me, oh, I need eight hours for this, 30 minutes for that, 15 minutes for this. And in the end, when I counted it together, we came on 31 hours <laughs> and I said, and now you, now I understand why you are telling me I don't have time. And now I understand why you are frustrated in the evening when you go to bed, because it doesn't work. It just simply mm -hmm. doesn't work if we take our 24 hours. So right. I think that's, that's a big thing. And, and I mean, I, I have, you, you can't believe how it is compressed in my life. There is very, there is not a lot I want and have to do. It's it's mm -hmm. very compressed, but this also means you have to protect yourself all the time um, uh, by many ways also to know to what am I saying yes, to what am I saying no, but yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. You, I mean, it's you certainly. You know that. You, you, do you? <laughs> how how do you treat time? How is it for you? With if we talk very, um, just about the twenty four hours, how do mm -hmm. they feel for you? Uh yeah. I mean, I think there's two sides to it for me, as as there is with many things, and I, I think a part of me definitely resonates with what you were speaking to, or at least what your friend was. That I I do try my best to be a, a, a what you might call a highly productive person. I, I try to get a lot done. I I have a lot of things that I'm working on currently. And so at times it, I do get caught in that mode where I, I feel like I'm not getting enough done or there's there's just not enough there's not enough hours in the day as as people often say to work and to tend to relationships and to just enjoy yourself, to do things that are important to, for your health. Uh, I mean, there's, I could go on, but it's, I do often find myself in that mode. I think 
the main way that I prevent myself from getting too overwhelmed in that sense is is just by trying to take some time uh, first thing in the morning to to be mindful and and to meditate and to just kind of come into my body and into my senses and to recognize that there is a certain stillness and, and acceptance that I have to have to to move through the day in a, in a way that's going to yes be be optimal from a production standpoint but also from a mental health standpoint so that I'm not always in this state of stress or, or feeling as though I'm just not doing enough and to be able to really focus on any individual task is is really the best that I can do and what is to come sure is relevant in some ways but in that moment all I can really do is focus on the present so I I find that to be quite helpful, but mm-hmm. I certainly can acknowledge that sometimes I get a little bit, uh, I get a little too much steam going when I, mm. uh, I'll create a list for myself, as you kind of spoke to what I want to get done today. And everyone has this habit of just making this list that is pages long and you know, you can't do all of it. And, but nobody wants to do the very uncomfortable thing of actually establishing priorities and saying, okay, this is, this is what is actually important to me. This is Mm -hmm. what needs to happen. This is what I really want to happen. And these are things that I just have to sacrifice and not do because life is, life is Mm trade-offs. Do you know what comes in mind, which I actually read, I did not take note of that, but now I did because you were talking about it. It's, um, I, I, um, I had once um, a job, um, someone wanted me in uh, Taipei, in Taiwan. And he Mm -hmm. said, "Um, could you please come? He knew what I do. um, And he said, could you please come and work with my team? I said, no, no, I'm not going to do this. Because again, I always have to tell the people I'm no coach and I'm not a workshop (laughs) mentor or anything. Mm I talk about time from a different perspective. And he said, yeah, but that's exactly what I want. Um, and uh, and he he said, I want you to talk about the moments. And uh, we talk about this maybe later. But what I, I the, the friend I mentioned before, that mm-hmm. was like just two days before I left um, to Taipei. And mm. I remember I, I had the notebook with me and I was looking at this 31 hours and thinking about this conversation and then I came to Taipei and I came to this team and there were 20 people and um, uh, first we were we were talking about creating moments and everything and and I told them my story and um, a, a few days later I was having this one-to-one conversation anyway with the people mm-hmm. And, um, but I did it like just having a cup of tea together and talk about time as I do with mm-hmm. you now. And, um, but then I remembered, um, that, that her with the 31 hours and I, I asked them everyone, every single one, I asked the question, I said, what is important for you? If you would have to choose, if you would have to choose what must mm be in your 24 hours to be healthy but mentally healthy um body uh whatever whatever Mm -hmm. and they said yeah okay okay and the first one i remember and uh there was a young girl and she came up with only three pillars and Mm -hmm. um my friend 
before she had like seven to ten pillars which were important in her 24 day uh in her 24 hours Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought, wow, three pillars, yeah. And she wasn't stressed at all, and she had time, <laughs> and they they actually all had time because. Um, and I remember thinking, wow, why why are they so relaxed? And um, and then the second came, the fifth, the seventh, the eighth, and still mm-hmm. just three pillars. Everyone came up with three pillars, and the funny thing is, it was always the three same pillars and um which is pillars is about values and Mm -hmm. um and when the 20th came in i I told him okay look this is the question but i'm going to give you the answer you're going to say this and this and that and he looked at me and he said oh why did you know this (laughs) i said because everyone told me that Mm -hmm. and um and the three pillars were in their cases it was a family friends and work mm-hmm. that was that was the three pillars and um uh in no hierarchy uh that changed sometimes and i was flying back home and i was sitting in the plane and i i was really impressed by the calm of them i mean what i have to say they were working in an international company um so they had the benefits of this also and um, right. uh, because there are other Taiwanese people who work uh, far more than they do. And mm-hmm. um, and I was sitting in this airplane thinking for me, what if I would change the view how I look at my 24 hours by, I have two possibilities how I look at the 24 hours. That is stepping from one moment into another. We can mm-hmm. talk about this a- afterwards. But now the the other one which was born there was that I thought, which are my three pillars? Mm-hmm. And uh, for me, it's body, mind, soul. And that's mm. the only thing I want to do during my 24 hours. Um, I still have maybe sometimes a to-do list, but believe me, um, and I loved lists, but um, mm-hmm. they have become rare because... In the morning, I ask myself, what does my body need today? Mm-hmm. And maybe he needs to go out, but maybe he needs rest. Uh, maybe he needs um, good food. Maybe he needs, he will tell me, my body will tell me what he needs. Um, mm-hmm. And then I ask myself for my mind. I mean, my mind, that's that's my work. Uh, uh, my mind mm-hmm. gets a lot of attention and a lot of time. And I love it because I, I love to challenge my mind. And uh, so my mind is happy when whenever I write um, mm-hmm. and when I think about time. And um, body, mind, soul. And soul is everything um, with people. Love. It's uh, soul is love. Mm-hmm. And... I will ask myself who who wanna with whom would I like to spend time today um and and that's all body mind mm-hmm. soul I tell you it's it has changed so much for me um because and it changes every day it it changes and and now and then we come into this rhythm of of your own and not you know, I used to do yoga every single day. 
I used to mm. do meditation every single day, but maybe tomorrow morning when I wake up, maybe my body wants to go out for a walk and that's all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's super interesting. I mean, I think it's, it's relatively intuitive, but I, I think it's a reality that a lot of people are, are not very much in touch with. And of course, as you spoke to, there's a lot of value in establishing habits and having structure in your life. But I think a lot of that actually comes from the, just the fact of momentum. That is important if you are trying to push towards a particular goal or place that you just, you, you have to do things regularly. You have to, you have to build that kind of snowball effect to get there. Mm -hmm. But once you've established that on some level, it, it sometimes it starts to lose its value if if it's just like you're treating every day the same, regardless of what your body's telling you, regardless of what your mind is is giving you, regardless of where you are. That level of consistency, once again, has value, but mm -hmm. it it allows us to not as much be in touch with what our our beings might really need in any given moment. And I I think that's a it's a simple exercise, but as you said, just waking up every morning and saying like, what, what do I really need or want mm -hmm. on these three fronts mm -hmm. is something that can be a, a great compass. But I, I don't think a lot of people tend to think of it that way just because of the automaticity of our lives and our work. Generally, people who, who work traditional jobs or in, you just, you, you get into a groove and there's once again, lots of, lots of reasons to do that, but it, it's, builds up this pattern over time of not really being able to recognize when you need change or when something is not working for you or when yeah. something is out of balance yeah. and it, it can be very difficult to get to step outside of that if you're if you're just kind of stuck in a in a very strict and, and regimented way of doing things mm -hmm, mm -hmm. exactly exactly uh, you know i've always wanted to live the life I have in my mind mm -hmm. um, even as a kid it, it was um, it was for me there was never a path given which I have to take which I should take even though I was completely in it I mean mm -hmm. uh, I, I saw it but something in myself I mean okay maybe I have to start um, a little bit or before, before, okay. So I'm born with the fascination for the topic time. Um, mm. It's it's always been there. We have no idea where it comes from. <laughs> I am. Mm. Um, I've asked my parents many times. I said, "What happened to me?" And they say, "We don't know. You just were <laughs> like this. You are like this." And mm -hmm. um, I mean, it was just you know the the. The first memories I have um, in my life, it's always somehow related to time. For example, the first time I remember I was six years old, I was on a birthday party and mm -hmm. uh, there were other six-year-olds and he, the one who was celebrating, he said, I know exactly which time I'm born and and everyone said, yeah, we mm -hmm. all know when we are born and they started with the date and even the the exact um, hour, and I was mm. standing there, and 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 I was just going, yeah, but wait a minute, that's interesting. We know exactly <laughs> when we are born. 
So I mm -hmm. started to ask everyone, so when are you going to die? And, <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, um, the, they were quite not very interested in my question, but I was completely interested. But then a mother her, heard my conversation with the kids mm -hmm. and she went to my mom and she said, I think it's time that you talk to Anna because she's just talking about death. And my mom, she came to me and she said, Anna, what's wrong? I said, mom, when am I dying? When am I mm. going to die? When is my date of dying? Like birth date, when is my, the, the, the date of death? And she looked at mm. me and she said, what? but nobody knows. And I can still feel the feeling, what I experienced in this moment, because it was like, wow, that changes it all. And mm. I was fascinated by it. And and I told her, she told me this. She, I, she said, I said, but this changes all, mom. And she said, why? And I said, well, with this knowing, with this knowledge, I'm going to live life completely different. <laughs> and, mm. and, um, and it happened. I, I lived mm -hmm. my life completely different, even though... Uh, I was even also, I was also in the system, but even mm. in the system, I lived it completely different. And another story, I remember when I was eight years old, we were visiting a couple and um, every Sunday brunch, we were often there. And I remember observing them and I was concerned about their time, that they were wasting time. And mm -hmm. wasting time as an eight-year-old, for me, it already broke my heart. And mm. we were walking back home and I said to mom, why are they still married? And she said, <laughs> why not? I said, wow. I can't see love. I can't see love. And she said, yeah, but maybe there is love. And and but and maybe there was love I, I don't know but i was concerned that if there wouldn't be any love anymore you should go someone they should carry on they should move on mm -hmm. and you shouldn't rest for too long in an unhappy situation that was my thinking don't don't ever stay for too long in an unhappy situation and mm -hmm. this also i mean that's crazy and um that i thought like this when i was eight and and yeah. um, I mean, I wait, actually, I this um, I must tell you about a poem I wrote when I was um, just to understand how deeply um, <laughs> affected I am with this topic. <laughs> wait, where is it? Um, yeah, of course. Oh God, here it says, I mean, here I was um, nine, nine years old. I wrote. Okay. When I die, I do it myself. Nobody does it for me. And when the time comes, I look around and then I laugh. Then I fall down and I'm dead. <laughs> that's, that's, that's crazy. And with, yeah. 14, with 14, I wrote my first, the first last will. And, you know. Wow. Yeah, tell me what you think about this. But I mean, maybe now you understand that there was just nothing else I can do in life <laughs> than to think yeah. about time and <laughs> and, and wake no, people mean... up, you know, also to say, hey, mm -hmm. no, this is our unique um, 
maybe this is unique maybe this is just once uh, we can experience and I mean in in this body um, I believe it's just one time I can experience it and oh god I need to like I need to live it fully Mm -hmm. yeah I mean that's that's incredibly fascinating to me I mean it's that is obviously not a normal way of of moving (laughs) through and and questioning life for for a child and I, I'm very curious, and I know you've already kind of said that you, you're not really sure where it comes from, but even just like what your environment was like growing up as a child, or even like your influences and your parents, if there was anything that you felt like pushed you in that direction of, of curiosity or any formative events that informed that, it just, it seems so, so different to, uh, to ask those sorts of questions and to be that invested in, in such a abstract concept as a as a young child yeah i know um it's still we still cannot really explain uh but i must mention here i saw a documentary not long ago about death and near-death experiences also because i had one and um Mm. And there was um, an one topic was also the life before you come here. And, you know, that's something what happens before I'm born and what happens after that's maybe completely going in another direction. But I must (laughs) tell you that I was never interested. I I deeply Mm. wasn't interested because I was only interested in the presence in the Mm -hmm. present time in living my life now and Mm -hmm. that is why I wasn't interested but then I saw there a few people who were really coming from another life into this life and they still had some uh, you know they still were marked or had some something in there which was from an from a previous life and Mm. that was the first time that I was really sitting there and thinking what could I have been before if I would be so deeply interested in time but then again um, it's it's a funny question to ask myself Mm -hmm. but I'm too much present oriented to go deep Mm -hmm. in that it's right yeah and I mean the influence of of my no it's it's I mean apart from that we have always been different and always been called different, um, my family. Um, I mean, I remember once I was, um, um, the kids in school, they always, it was not just me, they declared mm-hmm. very different. They they said the whole family of yours are different. And, um, and I went home one day and I said to dad, which he's like, He's just a wild one. Dad is a is an absolutely mm. wild person and and um, a deep one and uh, um, an artist, a philosopher, a little bit of all of it. Um, Mom is is was this untouchable, beautiful woman and yeah, but um, yeah. And, and then I come home and I say to Dad, Dad, they're always telling me we are. We are not normal. That was the mm-hmm. word. You are not normal. And he, I remember it so clearly because I was thinking that he's going to say, yeah, but we are different, you know. 
But he mm-hmm. sa- he said, hmm. He said, well, I think we're quite normal. <laughs> and <laughs> and I remember thinking, wait a minute. If my dad says we are normal, and they say um, we're not normal, I didn't get it. And from that day on, normality for me didn't exist anymore. I mm. I, I understood because I didn't I couldn't um, I couldn't understand that my dad, who is different, <laughs> I would mm-hmm. say, but everyone yeah. is. I couldn't understand that he says I think we're quite normal. That that's when I thought, okay, I I'm. Um, this topic, I'm. It's check. Normality yeah. doesn't exist. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, that's that's certainly interesting, and it it is all relative in that sense. I mean, I think everyone has some sort of sense that they are normal to themselves, and everyone goes through their lives through this one lens. They all they ever have is is what it's like to be you, and so you assume that the way that you move through the world and the way that you see things is is relatively normal i guess i'm I'm putting air quotes on that but as soon as you try to relate to anyone else on any front you you realize that it's it definitely is all relative and and everyone is just having a somewhat unique experience here Mm -hmm. as as human beings and it's as a concept it's maybe not something that's super helpful like it, it trying to strive for some sense of regression towards the mean of whatever society or culture you're a part of sure has has a has a logic to it because everyone wants to be socially accepted and to have friends and to build relationships but at the end of the day if if you aren't able to express what you feel deeply within you and if you're not able to to be who you feel like you truly are and be around people that accept you for that it's it's not really it's not really an enjoyable way to be. And I think we all can relate to that on some level when we, especially as children, we just try to fit in in every way that we can. We just try to be like everyone else. And it, it seems as though you you never really tried to do that very much to your credit. But I'm I'm curious if that was ever something that was challenging for you as far as just moving through school and, and through the world and building friendships that you just felt so different or people saw you as some sort of other in that way yeah they still do I mean they still do I I I I get so many comments um um and you can take all the words uh you're crazy you're a freak but also in in um uh, meaning it's um uh with love you know um Mm -hmm. uh, many people also who say i would love to be able to express myself like you do Uh, so it's still there it's the topic is still like it's it's an everyday topic but i Mm. absolutely had to deal with it because um i mean i i to be judged still um Mm -hmm. to is it touches me it, it really touches me. Mm-hmm. But um, the story goes like that. It was, um, I I was also someone. Okay, so they told me I'm different. Then I thought, mm-hmm. okay, so I'm just, you know, my, this being different, I'm going to maybe hold it back a little bit. At, as a kid, I think I, maybe I did um, hold it back a little bit. But 
at the moment where I was with myself, I, I didn't. Um, so I had my space where I could always express myself. Uh, I was always writing diary from early on. Every day I wrote down how I felt and everything. So this helped a lot. And, um, and then I just, you know, one of the biggest values in my life is freedom. It's um, so every single decision, the big ones and the small ones are based on how free am I going to feel afterwards if I say yes or no. And mm -hmm. um, and I early understood that if I would get there where I don't care what the others think of me, this mm -hmm. means freedom. And when I understood this, oh, believe me, <laughs> I I would do anything to get there. I would do anything to get there. And it took me years. I mean, it took mm -hmm. me years, even with, um, let's just talk about social media. It took me years to get on social media. I mean, mm -hmm. I created my own company. Um, I've never been on social media privately, never. I, I would never, um, mm -hmm. I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't see why, um, but for business reasons, I do get it. But mm -hmm. it took me about five years. And my marketing yeah. boys, you can't believe how they were insisting. Five years, they were telling me, <laughs> you have to be on Facebook, you have to be on Instagram. And I said, no, 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 no. So that means also that, um, why was that? Um, because I all, also had another thing in myself. I, I didn't want to bother people. I didn't mm. want to do disturb people. Uh, I didn't want to take their time because for me, time was mm. so valuable. So I thought, no, why should a stranger look at anything I do, watch me? Because that is his time. He should do other things with his time. Mm. And it was really the thing with, I don't want to disturb you. And when you do this with, <laughs> with, um, with, um, I mean, I did that when I started my my business, and I was just uh, it was starting a business and not wanting to bother people means that you don't show up, <laughs> and that's exactly what I did. For one year, I was sitting in my office, just writing, you know, and mm. thinking about time. And um, so business went very bad, <laughs> very <Yeah>. bad. <laughs> <laughs> I could see that. And um, and I mean, um, it took them so much effort. My boys, my marketing boys, and also my husband. They said, "Show a little bit of Anna," and I, I said, "No, no, I, I don't want to." And mm. um, but then it it came really again there where I thought, why, why, why it's their problem um how they want to use their time it's it's if they want to watch it um at a speech i'm giving or or um, something i'm writing then maybe they they want it um mm -hmm. and i had to accept that it's their decision and i must stay here and i told myself stay where you are don't care about too much what the others um if you will bother them if you will disturb them they decide that they decide mm -hmm. and um, this helped me a lot 
And the other thing was that um, I was once in a relationship which was good, but it was also there, you so crazy and all that stuff. And whenever mm. I didn't see him, I I had my evenings for myself and I painted my face and I did all the stuff I usually do and usually did even as a kid. And mm -hmm. and suddenly I realized, my God, this is this is not good. You have to be able also in a relationship just to completely show who you are. And, mm. um, and yeah, so it wasn't because of that, but this relationship ended and that was afterwards my husband came into my life and I mean, he just, he just takes everything. He never judged me. He, um, mm -hmm. and, but he was more the one encouraging me, telling me, y you are a very interesting person and I want to know more. So mm -hmm. he started this. And I started not just writing diary or opening up to my parents or my sister, which is my best friend or my brothers, but I started to tell him who is Anna in in my eyes. And, mm -hmm. and that was the first step. And, and I remember it was at a fire, at a big, big fire I've done. I was sitting there thinking... I had paint in my face and um, and I thought, yes, maybe imagine you can encourage someone else. It's not just that I have to be very honest here. It's it's more also it would be so it would I would feel so free if I could mm -hmm. always, always tell and show who I am. And mm -hmm. that's when I called the boys and I said, okay, boys, um, I'm all right to do Instagram, but you can do the rest. <laughs> <I said>. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's, yeah. that's how it started a little bit to start to show up. And then, of course, I want to give you the parallel afterwards, but this is also very important. Of course, then it started... I was so happy to now take the courage and show who I am. Mm -hmm. And I remember the first email coming in like, but again, like you, it, it, it's, it doesn't interest me what you do. And I was so mm. touched. I mean, I was thinking about this for days. And again, I was mm. back there. I don't want to bother them. And again, I have to go back and say, it's her decision and she has the right to tell me. It doesn't interest me. But mm -hmm. today, so many years later, I can tell you, Brandon, um, when you start to be honest, when you start to show who you are, you will have so many like-minded people. Uh, mm. You will have so many people who say, um, it's not just that they say, I like what you did, but you start not to feel alone anymore. Because there are mm. so many out there who say, um, that's crazy, that's that's not normal, it's not interesting, but the others are also there. And I just had to focus on the others. And that's what I do until today. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that resonates with me on, on so many levels. And, and as you know, it's something that really is at the core of this whole project and something I, on some level, contemplate 
every day just as far as wanting to to share myself genuinely with the world mm -hmm. and encourage others to do so as well but at the same time also as you kind of spoke to earlier about when you first started your business like it was there's this idea that that maybe you should just kind of sit there and and allow it to come to you and to just focus on the internal and what you do but uh, such a big step is is to be willing to put yourself out there and to to simply own what whatever you are and whatever you're you're willing to offer to the world and if that's genuine i think that as you've spoken to in time it comes through and people recognize that and there's of course a lot of what goes on on social media and online and in marketing and business that is very much the opposite of that yeah. and so i think when people see someone like you and they see someone who clearly is just being themselves and doesn't have a real regard for what other people think if it's not for them that you you have to accept that some people aren't going to like what you have to say or what you do and that people are going to judge you and that's that's very uncomfortable <laughs> like we're not we're not conditioned to just be okay with with people giving us negative feedback or just saying that's just not for me but once you are able to get over that hurdle and just say it's it's for the people that I, it does resonate with and that's all that i'm you know I'm, I'm so glad that you that you did because i think a lot of what you do is is remarkable purely because of that that it it resonated with me on a deep level from the very beginning that you just it's something that you can feel and that you can see and sure it's it's virtual so it's harder to get there but when you're just expressing yourself on a on a very raw level it it does translate and that's that's largely why we're having this conversation here today so i'm i'm glad that you took that jump and that you've you've gotten to a place where you just feel like you can you can be yourself and and offer that up to whoever is is willing to listen mm -hmm. it, it's uh very kind words and thank you uh but also you know when i look at now we we come into it is a time topic because if I would start, I thought about. I mean, I since I'm following you, I I'm so I've I've done similar things once. I remember this. I did it anonymously, and um, and I like that a lot because I think it's uh, it, there is some magic in it i i love that it's it's mm -hmm. the curiosity we we are curious about something which we don't know and and who we don't know and and i just i it's i i must repeat that's why i love your format and if i i thought about this just a few days ago i thought okay so mm -hmm. if i would start all over again would i do it would i do it the way i do it today or mm -hmm. would i more go into your direction and um you know i never i'm not a person with um oh i should have done it like this or that everything is perfect mm -hmm. how i've done it that mm -hmm. that this is this is um uh this is my way and and i've i've created this way i've i've done it as i said mm -hmm. before i've always done it my way and and um a la anna i say but um the thing with um, the social media, with the marketing, with with all that, 
it takes here comes the thing it takes so much time mm. and oh, yeah. and um that's also why i delegated it um and just kept one platform for myself because it's it's a bit fun for me but the other thing is um why because i think we talk about content if if we are someone who wants content we we don't we can just have exactly this what we have with you and this is a a deep conversation uh with people you are inviting and and um that's 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 enough i don't need mm. to know how you look like i don't need to know um how your social media channels look like i don't i absolutely don't mm. need to and it saves me time it saves me time to i mean i listen to other podcasts and um it happened that afterwards i was googling the person to, mm -hmm. s to you know and right. why 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 can't i just stay there that in the content what she thinks and thoughts and the ideas and so i must tell you no i think uh you're <laughs> you're way ahead of us all now i think <laughs> yeah i mean i i can only say say thank you for that endorsement i mean i i think it's it's certainly flattering and i of course on some level think that my idea is compelling i wouldn't be doing this yeah. otherwise but I do, as I spoke to, it is something that I go back and forth on. And I mm -hmm. I know we talked a little bit off air about my last episode and how it is just kind of this, I'm always having to remind myself why it's important for, mm -hmm. for this to exist the way that it exists because mm -hmm. everything else is different from it and everything else, the, the whole system is organized so that mm -hmm. things work that way and for me to do it this way i i know that it it presents so many natural barriers that all the time i'm just like wouldn't it be easier if i just did this and yeah, not that i i don't take the easy route sometimes but it just it's it's always a challenge but it's also every time i'm able to remind myself and even just have a conversation like the one that we're having right now that i honestly i, I typically have behind closed doors with friends or people who are who are close to this project that feel this way, that it is something worth doing and that there is something valuable here that people are, it's sure, maybe a small number of people, but for those people, I feel like it's worth it to to offer something up that is just, it, that it just is purely content based and that you're able to just kind of take it for whatever it is in that moment, as much as you can as a human being, despite our, our proclivity to just to judge and to label and to want to organize our thoughts around everything. Just like you said, you, you listen to something and immediately it's, it's let me learn more about this person. Let me figure out how to frame what I've just learned from them. And the idea that you could figure out something about them and then it would totally change the way you thought about what they had to offer. It's kind of unfortunate. And in sure, it, it can be valuable on some level. And I try to always acknowledge that. It's not like this contextual information is irrelevant. It's just that it, especially on the front end, it prevents us from just really having an open mind and being mm -hmm. able to to take in something new that otherwise you might have been closed off to or that you might have judged or just 
kept on the outside or put in a certain box. And as much as we can try to just consume things in this slightly different way every now and then where mm-hmm. we there isn't as much of a framing and, and we can just say, what what's really going on here and, and how much can I directly experience that is is of course why we're here and I'm sure everyone's on some level familiar, but I, I, I really do appreciate the the fact that you feel this way and that you've you've shared that because it really does mean a lot because it's often few and far between that I have these moments of, of validation and it's it's these conversations that matter to me the most. Yeah, yeah. Of course you have always, you know, for me it always has to be light. It has to feel light. And and if I take a decision, I ask myself, does that would that feel light or is it heavy? And it must be light. So I think it's mm-hmm. good that you always, that you do question it again and again you know i mean mm-hmm. um that's that's i think that's we should do it i once wrote an article about we should question the things we do so much more like all the mm-hmm. time because it brings us also forward and we are not in this routine where we just do because it's automated um and um but the other thing is you know why are we together here also because um I must admit I say no quite often, um, but um, I am interested in things that surprise me. When, mm. Whenever I am, wow, wait a minute, I didn't expect this. That's mm. that, I mean, just when I say it, I feel it in my heart and it goes like, mm-hmm. whoa, wait, oh, that that's, and that wakes up my curiosity and and that's something, I mean, that's so human um, to be curious. And we love to be curious and we love to be surprised what I do. And um, when I think, wow, I'm surprised, that's, that's, then, then I'm in. Then, then, then I'm right. also, that's where I just, I want to be there. And now we, we, we have to leave this social media stuff soon, but what does surprise us today? You know, there is so much out there and I really have to search for things I um, that do surprise me. But the things that do surprise me, um, there I'm very loyal. I stay there because I will always remember that you have surprised me. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's that's super relevant because I, I just feel like on on a day-to-day basis that's sometimes a bit of a trap that I fall into on the other side of that where I I think people that know me well know me as someone who is is good at at generally analyzing things and and even predicting things at times it's not like I'm clairvoyant or anything but it is something and it's part of what I do at work and and a lot of just my life is is being able to look at a situation and to take in the context and to read it and to be able to potentially predict where things go. And I, I sometimes can fall too much into that trap in my day-to-day life where I feel like I, I know, I, I know what to expect out of people, or I know what to expect out of a situation. And sometimes as you've spoken to, you do have to, you have to step out of your way. You have to step out of your own mind to find situations that truly will surprise you and that will, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. give you a, just invigorate you in a way that you you would never expect but 
often we we default towards experiences that that provide comfort and that are familiar and that mm-hmm. that are in a way predictable that's why that's why we all love sitcoms and and tv and things like that because it's it, it is very predictable and it's these same narratives it's it's very cyclical and it's there's a lot of comfort in that but at the same time it it starts to just slowly <laughs> close our minds more and more towards thinking that we know what's going on when we live in this incredibly absurd and chaotic and unpredictable world, but we can insulate ourselves from that so much in in this modern world. Yeah. Yeah. And if we accept what you've been saying all this now, if we look at this with the perspective of time, I mean, a lifetime... I don't know. Do you do you if you if we say we would say an average of 80 years old. Do you consider mm-hmm. that as a long time? Do you think life is long or short? Just a question. Wow. Um I I personally feel like it's an incredibly long time. Wow, that's nice. That's nice. Do you feel differently? And why? Why do you think it's long? Um, that's a good question. I mean, I I think a part of me maybe likes to think that it's long. Mm-hmm. I think it's maybe a bit of a choice in my worldview that I I try to be as present as I can be on a day to day basis, and I I try to stay in in the journey, mm-hmm. if you will. And mm-hmm. I sure when you look back or you look forward, it it's easy for it it to all feel kind of condensed but moment to moment what it's like to spend five minutes just in my own experience mm-hmm. and in my head it, it that feels like an eternity to me or <laughs> even when i when i go to bed at night and i just go completely unconscious and essentially go to this other plane i i'll have dreams where i I feel like I live for years and in these moments, these essential moments in real time (laughs) for whatever that's worth, uh, I I will spend days, I'll spend months or what feels like years in an instant. So I, I guess I just feel like in the internal world and in our conscious experience, of course, time is relative, but for me, it always feels like I'm, things are moving a little bit slowly to me. uh, And that's, Maybe that's just my temperament or how I elect to see things, but I'm I think eighty years is 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 quite a long time to me. Oh, that's I'm gonna listen to this on and on and on again because that was so beautiful. That was so beautiful, you know, because there's so many things you said. Um it's it is true to to be able to live in the present moment. That's where you feel the now. That's and the now is forever. I mean, the now can be forever. Mm. The moment we are in the future or in the past, that's other things. But And the other thing that you said, that when you look at how many things happen in just one in five minutes or during the night or when you dream mm-hmm. or uh, wherever, uh, whatever moment we are in, then it is very long. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's it's nice to think like that. Um, yeah, it's very nice. Mm. But the thing do is, do you generally feel yeah. differently though? Is that um, my husband? He asked me just a few days ago. He he does it 
every few or every once a year or I don't know, sometimes he asked me again, are you afraid of death? Because we, we talk about this and, and he says he's not afraid of death. And I don't think I'm afraid of death, uh, of death itself, but I just mm. don't want to die right now. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, um, um, and I think maybe my near-death experience has something to do with this, but I know how fast it can end. end. And that's when you, when you have faced death, um, mm -hmm. I think your vis vision of life just changes and you are aware that it can end very fast. And that's where you just say, no, um, if it would end soon... And I, I thought of like this more extreme when I was younger. Um, I mean, I couldn't think about what happens in a month. I couldn't think about what happens in a week because after mm -hmm. my near-death experience, I would say, I mean, I remember once I was in a, um, in a workshop and we had to do this uh, exercise where we had to we were about 10 people and there was the workshop leader and then he said, now we're going to travel in time. We're going to travel mm -hmm. into our future. And that was after my near-death experience. And I was standing on my now. We had those papers and there was written now. And there was the next paper. One step forward was like one year, a few step forwards, five years, then 10 years. And mm -hmm. he said, and now you close your eyes and you imagine where you are in a year and then you imagine where you are in five years. <laughs> and the people were closing their eyes and they started to walk, you know, and I was mm -hmm. just completely paralyzed in my neck. <laughs> <laughs> I was just standing there and I was almost panicking and he, he came to me and he said, Anna, what's wrong? I said, well, I can't do this exercise. It's it's impossible. And he said, but where do you see yourself in one year? And I said, in one year, maybe I'm dead. And he <laughs> looked at me and he said, do you think like that? I said, yes. And that's when I realized mm. that there is still a little bit of work to do. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, um, and, um, but it took a long time. It was my husband, um, he, when we met in the beginning, I mean, uh, we had our dinners out and and he came also up with future topics and he said, so, um, um, yeah, I remember he said, he showed me a village which was on the other side of a lake and he said, maybe next summer we could go there together. And I mm -hmm. was looking at him, I said, next summer? <laughs> and it was like four <laughs> months ahead. And he said, yeah, well, why not? I said, well, uh, yeah, because maybe I'm not here anymore. And he said, oh, no, is this not serious? I said, yes, this is serious, but, but maybe I'm not alive anymore. And he said, okay, mm. we have to talk. And um, and he, he really teached me to have dreams again in the future. And he, he mm. teached me to have visions and... I remember clearly when I, the first time, and that's maybe now 10 years ago, when I, we were in a pizzeria in an Italian restaurant and outside it was snowing and mm -hmm. 
I was eating, I was looking outside and I saw a, um, a place uh, where two people were sitting mm-hmm. and suddenly I saw myself with him, but very old. I saw myself mm. as a very, very old lady and I was beautiful. I was, I was sitting there and I had still all this love for life and everything in myself and you could see this mm-hmm. in my eyes and I was wrinkly from head till toe and I saw this image of myself being old and I just started to cry. I was mm. just sitting there and crying and he said, why, what's wrong? I said, I saw myself for the first time getting old and mm. and th- and that's when I approached where you are now already that I thought, no, life can be long and it's going to be um, even longer if you take every moment as a, as a little life, as a mini life, mm-hmm. you know, every day. Uh, it doesn't, for me, a day is a mini life. I, I want to go to bed tonight to say, I lived a good day. As in the end mm-hmm. of our life, we can say, I lived a good life or I did the best out of it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a fascinating thought. I've never, it, it's something that I guess I've, it's it's hard to put into words as far as what it's like to to genuinely imagine yourself in the future. Of course, it's easy to imagine yourself in the past because we we know that we remember that. But or I guess we think we remember it. At least sometimes our memories can be quite unreliable. But when when I think forward, I guess just to clarify my point to some extent, it's not that I don't. It's not that I don't think about the future or that I don't think that the time that we have here is incredibly scarce and valuable. It's not like I feel like I have time for for everything or, or that I allow that to necessarily impact my priorities, but it's it's definitely interesting sometimes to to try to subject ourselves to those sorts of exercises of in 10 years, in 20 years, or when I'm on my deathbed for whatever that's worth, what what that will be like. And I've had some unique experiences, some I've subjected myself through, subjected myself to, but some, as I spoke to, even just in dreams that I don't know how unique it is, but for me personally, I, I tend to have very vivid, um, vivid dreams that seem to span a long time. And I've, I've had dreams where I was dying like I I knew I was dying and and the details don't really matter that much but it was a situation where I I knew I had hours to live essentially and I I had to take those moments to talk to my family and to contemplate what I would really say if this was it and that was a a really interesting experience to wake up from to Mm -hmm. to really be in this place of of like perceived closure to your life at a very young age and then to wake up and be like, oh, that I'm alive and I don't think I've ever ha- been happier to be alive yeah. after that moment. But yeah. a part of me was also kind of ex- confused because I had to go to that place of this is this is death. I've, I've said yeah. these things before. I've said my final words, yeah. whatever that's worth. And, and sure, in, in theory, it wasn't real. It was a dream. But to me, it was real at yeah. the time. 
yeah. I, 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 there was no part of me that thought that it wasn't. And I, yeah. I've had a few experiences like that in my life that didn't necessarily, it wasn't actual jeopardy. I wasn't actually going to, like, I wasn't mm-hmm. in a r- truly dangerous physical situation, but whether in, in dreams or in, in different psychedelic states, uh, to just being having to grapple with that sort of thought and experience mm-hmm. is something that I, I have touched. So mm-hmm. I, I do feel like that to some degree informs the way that I think about just time and in the future and whatever I do have here and how I ought to just orient myself around that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You see, this brings us to the topic uh, which I think about often, and I'm just going to ask you this question. And it's, I mean, I still haven't an answer, so you can't, maybe you also can't come up with an answer straight away, <laughs> but it's very interesting. I've been thinking about this often. I mean, you have experienced it in dream and mm-hmm. um, I know how it is. This is another thing which connects us. I I remember every single dream I have, and we have about uh, we have about six to eight dreams every night. And mm-hmm. most most of the people remember like the last dream, a few a few mm-hmm. things out of the last dream. But I remember if I if I sleep eight hours, I can tell you eight hours about what I've experiencing last night. Um, wow. yeah, and that was, um, I mean, I mean, that is also a very interesting topic, but because I have a lot of time like this as well, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, um, even the hours when I sleep, I experience every single moment of it, every single moment, mm-hmm. but now back to your dream and about experiencing death, um, do we need to have a near death experience do we need to face death to understand that the time is limited and to understand what it means when we when we every day i think about it every single day that time is limited uh, mm-hmm. and no matter if 80 years or 40 years or 20 years or no matter time is limited that's a fact and i think about this fact every day and mm-hmm. that makes me create the life I want to live. It has always mm-hmm. done that. That's that's back to the story when I was six years old and I said, this changes everything. That was exactly mm-hmm. what I meant. And I think about death every single day. Sometimes I ask myself, would I think, yeah, I, th- I, I would think about death every single day, even without my near-death experience. Um, but mm. that's because I'm born with this thing, with this fascination mm-hmm. for time. But do you think we need to have that to be aware that it's today the right moment to, to tell your loved ones that you love them? It's today the right moment to enjoy the moment, um, to change if you're not if you're not feeling well, and you know all that. Do, mm-hmm. do we need those kind of experiences? Um, I would say no. I mean, yeah. I think it's, I think it's in a way it's a, we'll say it's an elevator to, <laughs> uh, to this place that it, it, you, you don't have a choice. If, if life yeah. throws something at you, if you just end up in a situation where you very much nearly die. And like I said, I haven't actually been there. I've more just been in, I in know. this eternal experience of that, but 
I think, of course, if something like that happens, there's there's no choice in the matter, and you you're just kind of vaulted into this space where you have to contemplate these sorts of things, and you you do turn to your your loved ones, and you mm-hmm. you appreciate everything more at, for a time, though. And I think mm-hmm. there's a very finite nature to that, and I think without reminders. It, it it starts to pass. And I think that's what people often forget that you have, you might have this incredibly deep and meaningful and what you might call transformative experience. But if you don't, if you're not able to continue to remind yourself yeah. throughout your life or put things yeah. in your life that will remind you, it, I think we have a, a propensity to just forget these yeah. insights that we've gained from these very, um, these very strange and, and unique experiences. So I, I think I think it's it certainly is helpful and mm. it's it's hard to wish that upon someone, right? <laughs> it's hard to wish that someone would have a near-death experience, though there's obviously value to be derived. But at the same time, I think there is a way to get there without uh-huh. it, even though yeah. it's it's much harder. I yeah. think there's a lot of contemplative traditions that could yeah. could put you in touch with that. Um, yeah. more easily and yeah. just I think a lot of different eastern philosophies touch on it a lot in regards to just acknowledging the transience and the impermanence of everything I mm. think forces you to to consider your own mortality but also to consider the lack of your own mortality in a way that mm-hmm. sure you you mm-hmm. we, we we die and we know that that is a thing but we don't really know it's not like everything that is us disappears when we die. And I, mm-hmm. I'm not a, necessarily a, a believer in anything after life or whatever that's worth, but our cells are still here. Like our, our atoms are, mm-hmm. are still here. Parts of us are still here and everything kind of ebbs and flows in that sense. So even when we die, it's it's not as permanent maybe as we think it is, even mm-hmm. just in a in a strict sense of physics that the mm-hmm. the the same particles that have been around since the we'll just say beginning of time are still here and they're just in different forms so mm-hmm. i think there's there's certain traditions and practices that make it that are when you take the time to really put pressure on some of these ideas that we tend to not on a daily basis because we're just trying to move through life and and keep a level head that there's there's ways to get there i think it takes longer it's it has to be more practiced and mm-hmm. um or even just one final thing that individuals who maybe just grow up in different environments that maybe it's not their own mortality but it's the mortality of of those around them it's someone who grows up in a in a war Mm-hmm. stricken country or someone who even grows up on a farm where you see you start seeing things die all the time mm-hmm. and you have to have some sort of relationship with death that of course makes you turn inward a little bit and consider your own on on some level at least mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. exactly mm. you know when i when i was um when i was having my near-death experience it was it was um it was i mean it's a it's a long story but what happened is i got lost in a snowstorm and um mm. it was ice 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 cold it was and i was badly um um i had not enough clothes on um but um 
just to tell you about this moment just before I was my body was think he was shutting down and um I mean there are so many stages before but um but the the one which was the most fascinating one for me was when when the body thinks okay now that's it and you know it was a slowly thing it was it was over hours mm. and it was you you know just I just felt how the body is coming to the end now. It was enough, and um, and uh, too many stages already had passed. And uh, and then it just—I mean, I wish it happens again when when I when I will really be dying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but what happened was it was just coming this flashback with images, just one after another, and. Um, I mean, the, the the funny thing is, is that in that moment, I didn't think it was beautiful, but uh, I didn't get it, uh, first of mm. all, because um, maybe also because my mind, I was in another state. I, um, I, I couldn't think about, oh, what's happening here now? But mm. I saw the pictures. I saw every single picture. And um, luckily, I... I um, wrote them down afterwards when when I was uh, in rehab, and but the thing is, I just didn't get it the pictures because it mm. was just micro moments out of my everyday life, and mm. you know it was not the big spectacular moments I had. Um, it was micro moments out of my everyday ordinary life and mm. um and, and i thought oh is that what i'm going to remember like micro moments <laughs> is that really it? yeah and you can't believe how many people i saw i mean i i saw gurus i sh- saw shamans i i saw also psychologists uh psych psychiatrics scientists everything and what's what's interesting is that in the end, they all said the same, but one, he really got it on the point. He said, what you are asking, because I was asking them why those pictures. I said, "What? Mm-hmm. W- w- why those pictures? And, and he said to me, what you are asking us is, what do we remember in the end? In the end. What do we, mm-hmm. we remember in the end? And... At that time, I I remember I thought I'm not sure if that is my question, but it, it was. What do we remember of life? Mm-hmm. And he said it's the same when you're gonna go to bed tonight. He said, close your eyes and think about a few moments. Think about today, and mm-hmm. you will experience the same. You will have pictures coming up. Random. You think it's random pictures, but then you take them think about them tomorrow and think about are they really that random because um i i called them random i called them banal and um he said no what we remember is emotional intensive moments that's that's mm. what we that we save this emotional intensive moments we save them and they were shown to you in the end because that is life it's it's mm-hmm. it's about moments that we 
where we are fully there. And fully there means also with, with you feel it. You, you feel every emotion. Right. You feel it. And, and I remember saying, mm, I doubt that because, again, they were random. He said, go home. He said, what your body, he was shutting down. He didn't have a lot of time. He mm-hmm. just gave you micro moments out of a moment which was emotionally intensive. And I went home and I remember looking at what I have written down and it was true. It was all, every single moment was um, an ordinary moment out of my life. But for example, one was um, for you know, just a second, I saw myself with my dad sitting in a restaurant and that's all. And then came the next one. But the moment with my dad in the restaurant, that the, the biggest story is that that evening he came home and he said, tonight I'm going to take out Anna for dinner. And mom had to stay at home. My siblings had to stay at home. Everyone had to stay at home. He was doing a tete-a-tete with me. And Mm -hmm. um, we went out there. And I remember I was sitting there and I was proud. I was so proud that Mm -hmm. just being with him and it was love and it was, um, I don't know what else emotions, but that's the two ones I, I can describe. I was proud to be with him and I was looking around like, look at me, I'm I'm all alone tonight with my dad. Mm-hmm. And, and the other thing is love because I love my dad. And, and I took every moment and it was true. And that's when I realized that the, the value of our everyday lives, the value of the moments we are experiencing in our ordinary lives, that's mm-hmm. maybe what it is. That Imagine that's life. Imagine mm-hmm. that this is, that's enough, that, that it is, that it, it, it's there, it's all there. And... Um, and I just, I was just so happy to understand that for me, for myself, that um, I just really need to fully be in it, in the moment. Mm-hmm. And by the way, that was also when I understood that um, that it wasn't just the, the beautiful moment showing up. I remember as a kid, I had to go to a funeral um, mm-hmm. and this one was showing up. Um, and that's when I understood it's, it's about all the moments which are in intense, um, also mm-hmm. the bad moments, the sad moments. Um, and, and I really started very early on to embrace every moment. And I mean, today I, I can say, and, and I am, I'm thankful for being able to say that, but I can say that when I see a bad moment coming uh, and when he's just there, this bad or sad moment, I can embrace it. I Mm -hmm. I truly can embrace it because I know this is part of life. This is is also life. Mm -hmm. Everything else would be an illusion. And I can embrace them. And of course, it hurts when my heart hurts and I don't want it to hurt. But I, I leave it a little bit in this sadness and I embrace it. But then I 
try um I try to get out of it again um to be there mm-hmm. where my heart is not hurting and where it is um good but yeah so so that's um how do you look at those bad and sad moments in life can you embrace them um yeah it's interesting that you mentioned that and and asked because I and I'm not remembering exactly where I learned it from but at some point someone kind of introduced me to this analogy that I found to be incredibly helpful in situations that I and when you are in this sort of calm before the storm sort of state where you just know whatever you're about mm-hmm. to step into whatever is is coming is is going to be hard to overcome mm-hmm. and it maybe doesn't resonate with everyone but as someone who grew up playing video games the the idea is that this is this is just sort of a what you might call like a, a boss battle that in in this situation like this is the a specifically designed scenario to test you and to challenge you and you know just going into it like this is this is going to hurt you will fail it will take try after try after try to overcome but just having that moment of of pullback to be able to say i i kind of know what i'm getting into here and sure it's unpredictable but you know that this is going to be hard and you know that it's going to be dark and that that is just a part of your experience here that's that's a part of the whole game is that there are situations in life that just require everything from you and take a lot of you mm-hmm. but that ultimately for whatever it's worth that's that's not the full story that's that's not everything and no matter how long it takes and time it will pass and everything that you have experienced up to this point has passed regardless of how bad it has been and whatever you face now will in the same token pass again um and that's that's how I try to approach those situations when I can see them coming. And to me, it helps just to set the tone and to mm-hmm. recognize it more as almost an opportunity or a challenge mm-hmm. as opposed to mm-hmm. just some sort of situation that I, I I might just totally fall victim to. Mm. Yeah, that's a better word, that bad or sad moments. It, it is. <laughs> <laughs> because it is. We grow every time. I mean... We grow every time. And that's, again, if we talk about lifetime, the lifetime we have, the people who do not experience it, they, how shall I say it without judging it? But I I believe, but that's just my belief, they're not, but there is no right and wrong with that, but they're not, um, there is so much life has to offer. You know, there is so much life has to offer. And I just feel this curiosity and this, I have this big desire to explore life and my, the time I have that I, that I, um, that I, I look for changes all the time, not all the time, but I love changes. When a change happens, I'm excited about it. I'm not scared about it. And, um, and and as you say, and the challenges, um, 
in life they just make you grow and then you 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 feel this you know wow i've learned mm-hmm. this and now i'm like a, a such a big step further and um i've moved forward and that's just so good feelings which i wish for everyone and that's um again i don't wish them bad or sad moments but it's just life and if we can learn mm-hmm how to cope with them better you know i mean there are so many people out there they their job is to to help us if we need help mentally or physically or however they're out mm-hmm. there they, they they have this mission to help others and and uh, so we're never alone i mean you're never alone with your grief or your your difficulties and but mm-hmm. I, for me, it would be so much easier. Imagine the society or world if they would could, if they could see it like this and say, "Oh, okay, mm-hmm. we're facing a challenge. It's not just, um, yeah, it's about moving forward, moving forward in life." Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think it's there's a lot of ways to view it, and. Once again, I yeah. don't know if it resonates with everyone, but I I do really, I try to see those situations, the situations of, of the deepest pain and, and suffering and difficulty as, as moments of, I guess maybe the better way to frame it is, is moments of recognition that I will have a deeper appreciation for the other side of the coin, that mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. I, I am in those those places that I know there is, there's another side to it. And Mm -hmm. that when I am in pain, I I know that when I'm not, that might be a long time from now, (laughs) but as as we know, that's relative. And just knowing that, okay, I'm here, but I, I feel strongly that tomorrow or the next day or a year from now, or whenever I get over this, Mm-hmm. I will have a deeper appreciation mm-hmm. for not feeling this way or for mm-hmm. not being in a situation like this mm-hmm. or just always acknowledging that there's there's this kind of duality mm-hmm. to to everything in mm-hmm. a way and that you're in order to really enjoy things you mm-hmm. you you have to you have to be there for the valleys to to enjoy the peaks and that it it sometimes requires a certain a certain relationship there for for you to live a, a fulfilling and enjoyable life and as long as you feel like the peaks justify the valleys then mm-hmm. it it all works mm-hmm. out in the end but mm-hmm. i think sometimes when you're in the valleys it's it's very hard to acknowledge that there's another side to this and that the way that it changes you for the better is something that will that will serve you in in every future experience you'll you'll have just a new perspective and and gratitude and Mm-hmm. ability to to see the good in, in the small things in life as opposed to mm-hmm. just harping on on the challenges mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know i remember i i don't know if it just if it was there or if i had a reminder but um i remember when i was in a very in a in a sad state and um i was i remember exactly i was in this room i was sitting over there on the floor and I was crying and crying and crying and um and I remember telling me in the same moment where I felt this big sadness I remember saying myself um 
remember this moment very good. Um, feel it, be in it, accept it, mm -hmm. cry as much as you can today. And um, because one day um, it's going to be over and this day mm -hmm. will come. And I, I told myself again and again, Anna, this day will come. And then you're going to say, ah, now I know why I had to sit there on the floor and cry. Now I know what it gave me. Mm -hmm. And um, I do I do remind myself in those moments. I, I tell myself there is this other side. I think it's it's a good reminder to remind yourself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and another story which comes into my mind is... Um, also about those those challenging moments and that it's just really part of life and that it should um it should be more normal you know but that's maybe again society we don't talk about uh the those challenges and it's all bright and and, and fun and all that but um but that's not life it's just really not life and i remember once i was uh, visiting elderly homes and we talked about time and mm. in these elderly homes i was in many different but what was so incredibly touching and unforgettable un unforgettable for me was that i had like a little structure to go through the conversation with those people. I thought, let's start to talk about exactly the moments they remember and about the past. Let's start mm -hmm. to talk about the past. And I mean, they they came up with stories one after another. It did not stop. And And, you know, again, big stories, tiny stories, like really, again, micro moments where mm -hmm. you think, how can I... 80-year-old lady remember how she put her hand in her father's hand and she said she remembers how it feels because she did that every day he he came to get her from school mm -hmm. and you know and um and again they were just uh talking about those moments and and many many again challenging moments as well and then I moved on, like after two hours, I said, okay, so now let's move on and let's talk about the presence, the, the present time. And, mm -hmm. and then you should have seen the people who were talking about their past. It was lively. It was, there were expression in the faces. And then I start to ask them about the present time. And I mean, they're all elderly and some of them were physically broke uh some haven't seen their family for a year and and um it was just blank faces i was looking into blank mm. faces and they said well the present time well it's it's not a lot to talk about just again mm. how relative also this is the to mm -hmm. i mean we learn to be in the present we learn to be in the present but there will be a time one day where the present isn't that interesting anymore and i i mm -hmm. sat there and it was just for me it was just this is crazy this is crazy that i am understanding this now that one day the past is going to be big 
one mm-hmm. day I'm going to sit in this chair, hopefully like those people. I'm just going to be sitting there all day long. What, what are you going to do? You're going to close your eyes and you're going to dream or you're going to go back into the past and remind yourself of your memories. And mm. I mean, it's still, it just touches me deeply because I remember sitting in the car afterwards, my, uh, my husband was with me again there and he, and I looked, we didn't talk, it was silence. And I said, imagine what, what are we creating today that is worthful that we are, will be reminding ourselves one day, you know, what, Mm. what am I creating today, which is worthful to be reminded of. And, Mm. um, this changed a lot. This really changed a lot. And of course, I just, to finish the story, I said, yeah, all right, so uh, let's move on. Let's talk about the future. And then they just laugh. (laughs) 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 They just laugh. And I said, why are you laughing? And he said, Anna, we don't have a future. And that's another thing to think about it. Mm -hmm. To, To be there one day where you say, my future is tiny and today mm. it's huge our future is huge we we i hope so for myself and mm. um but i don't know but that this gets me back into the present moment but um just to understand that um and that's what i understand wait um i have to be good with my past I mean, because if mm-hmm. you sit there, and that's, I mean, these are stories which I heard later um, many times, regrets, all about regrets and about, um, um, and and I just, I mean, I was very early, I was in my 24, I was 24 years old when I also worked with women with breast cancer and the same there would you know, in the end of life and when there are regrets, it was, it was just, it freaked me out. It really freaked me mm-hmm. out. And I thought, how do you live a life without regrets? Is it, mm-hmm. is it possible to live a life without regrets? And, um, some will say yes. Some will say no. I've heard someone say it's normal to have regrets. You just have to be in forgiveness, you be have to be able to forgive. And um I don't I don't have any regrets um until today, but that is because I I do, you know, I when I say goodbye to no matter who, I say goodbye if if as it will be the last time. It's quite anno- mm. annoying for some people. I mean <laughs> my my husband, if he goes to just go to the supermarket. I mean, th- there must be this case. There must be this huge case, and not just the case, mm-hmm. you know. No, it must be a deep case. And 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 same with um, my dad. He just a few days ago he left without saying goodbye, and I knew the day after he's going to be back. But that mm-hmm. just doesn't work for me. I, I, I called him. Mm-hmm. I said, "No, no, no. This for me it doesn't work." Um, mm-hmm. Maybe this is a reason why I can say I, I have a very 
life without many risks for regrets. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But now I've been talking yeah. a lot. But what do you think about this this um, knowledge that that today the we always say to be in the present. Um, the past is the past. The future is the future. But it change. It will change one day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think just to jump back a little bit, mm -hmm. I think you you made an interesting point earlier that has come full circle now when you were talking about your near-death experience and what things came to mind, what what flashed before you. And then you were talking about these these older folks in, in these homes who sure aren't necessarily at their deathbed, but in a way they're close and they're aware of that. And that to some degree on a day-to-day -day basis, that is that's part of what we're doing is is trying to create these moments to be present enough in any given moment to leave to leave a bookmarker or to leave breadcrumbs for our future selves so that we have these moments to remember and so that when we get to a certain point in life whether that be old age or just death in any capacity that we were able to to leave these breadcrumbs by just fully accepting the present and and just being there and observing it for what it is so there is this this constant relationship between the the past and the, and the present and the future that we can't we can't escape even though theoretically we always want to be in the present we always are kind of preparing for the future and living out uh whatever we've come to be through our past so i i think it's it's impossible to always be present mm -hmm. like it's it sure that maybe would be ideal but we we do to some degree live our lives uh, always always kind of <laughs> there, there's this buffer i there's a a concept that i'm not remembering perfectly now that but we're always kind of behind the present in our experience that there's there's a buffer between uh, the sensory input and our ability to process it and and all of that but that it, i think it's something worth aiming for but at the end of the day it's still we still are stuck in this in this continuum that that's all related and and we we always have to try to balance these these three things in some way or another yeah but you you're really saying it because um we have to i mean we are the only species which are experiencing those three times and and um and there was this time where i thought we have to take the benefits of all the three times and um and i mean just remember what i said that i was just i was such a present oriented uh, person after my near-death experience I mean it was just as I said this I couldn't even think what happens in a, a week or in a year um impossible mm -hmm. and but now just think about it I was in this state and I created my own business <laughs> and I remember mm -hmm. exactly when I was sitting with um um some marketing guys and they were asking me yeah but where do you see your company in a year where is it going mm -hmm. to go and i was sitting there and i thought no god this is i mean 
I said, I have no idea. Yeah, okay, but do you have a vision? Do you have a dream where you want to go? I said, no. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So again, business went very bad. (laughs) Because, (laughs) Because, I mean, you can't be... Look, the there is there is a negative side um, or a disadvantage just to be in the present moment, uh, and we I mean there are studies out there. It's um, people who are very present oriented. Um, they also have, for example, a higher level for addiction. Um, why? Mm. Because um, that's the exactly the one who like. How many people who live on the streets, they are very present oriented because, um, and, and you will hear this when you say, no, you shouldn't drink that bottle now. And they will say, oh, but it's, uh, I don't care what it's tomorrow, the, the, the today matters or so, somehow, I don't know how they would say, mm-hmm. but, but um, um, the present oriented people um, who are highly present oriented as i said i wasn't able to dream i wasn't able to have visions the future was just not there and that's a shame i mean that's just a shame i now Mm. today now how it feels to be dreaming about something and um but i had to learn it the 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 negative way about um the I mean, I live in a country where the few the people are extremely future oriented. It's mm-hmm. we we learn this also already in school. What do you want to be when you grow up? It's all about the future. I mean, it starts mm-hmm. so early on, where we have to think about the future, which is crazy. And um, but um, here, everyone knows exactly what they will be doing, or maybe they don't know, but they think they should be knowing, and they search, and they, and uh, and then the, this comes up with one day I'm going to have this, and when I have this, I'm going to be happy, and when I have that and achieve that and all that, and the future-oriented persons, they just if they're highly future-oriented and just mm-hmm. running after the future, that's where I would say now you're really missing the present time. Now you're mm-hmm. running past it, and uh, the same with the past. I mean, um, but that was the elderly people teaching me this because I was always saying, "Ah, oh, the past has shaped me. I'm happy for my past, no matter what has happened. Um, mm-hmm. It has shaped me. I'm, I'm very grateful for my past." But um, that I could even go there to think that. I mean, I've I've always written diaries, and I never thought mm-hmm. that I ever gonna read them again. But all after this elderly home visits, and the past, I thought, no, I'm gonna read them just sometimes, you know. And now sometimes mm-hmm. I take a book out of my past, and I read a few pages, and mm-hmm. I it's like it really is. It's it's a it's a journey. Uh, time time journey and mm-hmm. it's it's all right i you know um <laughs> i mean there are things in it which i don't remember uh there are things in it which, which i think oh oh dear anna um 
did I think like that, you know? But mm. I'm I'm all fine with it because um exactly it has shaped me and um but yeah, so exactly to go back to those three times. I mean, we really should you said it, we should have a beautiful balance and I really, mm. I don't want just to be in the present time, maybe most of the time, but uh, I want to be able to be all right with my past mm -hmm. and I want to be able to be able to dream. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 No, it's a, it's maybe one of the, the biggest questions there, there are for us to try to try to sort through in life. And I, I think now that I think about it, it's, there's this interesting spectrum that I've, I guess, heard played out before that, and it's maybe a little bit simplistic, but from a psychological perspective, it's, as you spoke to, being too obsessed with the past is, is depression, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And then being too focused on the future is anxiety. Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. as you've just kind of laid it out now which i hadn't necessarily thought about too much is being too focused on the present is is maybe i don't have the perfect word for it yet but it's some mixture of almost anti-social or even hedonistic that it's that if you're too in the present it's it's almost impossible to function as a part of society or to maintain relationships or to plan in a way that's necessary uh, or to learn from your mistakes to not be someone as you spoke to that's that's just on the street or living life only for every given moment and not able to consider the the future consequences or the you know the past explanations for for any given uh situation in the present so maybe i'll i'll be able to work through that some other time and, and figure out what exactly it maps onto for the present, but I, I definitely think it's a an interesting way of looking at things and just really illuminates the fact that there has to be some sort of balance and they all play a role and we can't avoid any of them, but that falling too much on, on either side of that is is certainly not not where you want to be. Yeah, exactly. What uh may I ask you a question? Yeah. What do you mean with uh, what does being social for you mean? Because this this um, it's highly interesting what you just said. Because uh, I I always consider myself as not very social. Um, mm. But then when I say that to my friends, they say, uh, "But but here you are with us." I say, yeah, but mm -hmm. that's you, you guys. <laughs> and um, and I say, yeah, so what else? Do you think that being social means to be around people all the time? I said, yeah, maybe. And they said, um, yeah, tell me. Oh, yeah. I Sorry, I was just going to say that at least to me, and I haven't really thought through it, all that well so it maybe isn't the most elegant choice of words but what i'm more speaking to is i guess two-sided to some extent that there's social in, in the sense of society and uh these constructs that we that we organize our lives around so someone who maybe is mm -hmm. maybe here's actually a, a very relevant 
uh, example that like someone who is a monk, you could say mm-hmm. that that's maybe the closest we get in in our modern world to someone who is doing everything they can to truly live in the present. And I think there's a lot of incredible things about that, but to some extent you yeah. that's yeah. that's one step away from being a hermit that's one step away from essentially living in a cave yeah, exactly. and yeah. n- needing nothing yeah. wanting nothing having no relationships yeah. and just enjoying and you could probably uh, there's lots of people who have reported this to be the most satisfying mm-hmm. way of existing but it's almost singular it's isolated it's it's antisocial in a mm-hmm. way that you you couldn't have Mm-hmm. Uh, an, an intimate relationship with someone mm-hmm. and 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 choose that way of life you you have mm-hmm. to be detached from essentially all things mm-hmm. to be able to do that and that has its benefits but at the same time mm-hmm. clearly has some downfalls or at least if you want to be a part of society if you want to mm-hmm. take part in this this whole thing that we all generally um contribute to Mm -hmm. it's that is kind of where i'm coming from and not necessarily that you don't want to have any sort of relationship (laughs) with anyone else or or be around people but and in some ways in the more extreme senses yes that at at a certain point it, it creates the sort of person that is very difficult to maintain a relationship with or to let's just say have a job or plan for your future or save money or have, you know, all of these things that sure, these are kind of societal constructs that we tend to value for good reason, but you, you just have this sense of detachment from, from all things. And I, to some extent find myself in relationship with that sometimes because I'm, I'm by no means anywhere close to that end of the spectrum, but I, I do very much try to be more present than I am. And sometimes it is that it's a constant balance, balancing act that I'm trying to establish. And I often ask people on this show about how, how you do for people who, who meditate and for people who take from Eastern philosophy, like how do you take that all in stride and also apply it to still being productive and and maintaining relationships and Mm -hmm. all that is, is we'll just use the word normal again. Mm -hmm. Uh, How do you maintain a a balance that doesn't disrupt things like ambition or having a a family or any of these things Mm -hmm. that you might want? Um, that's kind of more where I was coming from mm-hmm. with, with that. Mm-hmm. But very interesting. I mean, these are topics we should be talking about in school, you know? That's, that's, yeah. uh, how do we want to fill our time or how do we want to use it? And, and what fits in there? What, what shall fit in there? What doesn't have to fit in there? You know, um, it's just, and then again, there is society telling us what's normal, and it's normal to have a family. Um, as you know, how how long it took that I I sometimes no, that's that's exaggerated um, because again, you know, it's just in me, and it's strong this this value for freedom and to be able to live the life I intend to live, and I have a few missions, you know, I have a few missions in my life, and 
they they have been given to me and I want to I want to live them I exactly as mm-hmm. with this topic time I um and um but I very early on saw that I I wasn't sure if there would be place for family space for family mm-hmm. uh for this cla- classical way of um um and then after school you do this and then you do that and and then you mm-hmm. have a family and then you buy a house and i mean it was i i was <laughs> it was just um um i i couldn't get any air anymore when i was just thinking about all this because mm-hmm. again it's i've been always thinking about time and uh to what am i going to say yes in life and when i say yes to something in life it must be fully hearted and it cannot be mm-hmm. hesitating or anything and um but the same thing with the no's what am i saying no to and how does it feel to be saying no to even if the others will judge you um is it mm-hmm. all right for you does it feel light does it is it heavy or light again and um if we would talk with our kids like this you know to tell them you don't need to have a f- family necessarily if you don't want to um mm-hmm. um even if that is, that can be very radical for some but um yeah that's that's the thing we should be talking with our kids about the values about um mm-hmm. I believe yeah. yeah I believe that kids they they feel it already they feel it very early on but then we come with um education and and um and we start very early on to uh to not to push them away but there is no space anymore for them Mm -hmm. Mm. yeah i i'm sure it's easier said than done and i i of course have no experience uh with children really and what it takes to do that so i i'd like to think that if i ever elect to have children that I'd be able to to have these sorts of conversations with them but who knows I, maybe it's maybe it's something you just have to learn mm-hmm. experientially maybe it's something that that you you have to kind of sort out for yourself and we have this this natural rejection at times of of all that our parents teach <laughs> us at a certain point in life where I think we we grow up and it's everything that our parents say is dogma and then we reach a certain age and we reject it all and then as we age we we maybe come back to it again and say oh okay this is what they were talking about but it's only after we experience it ourselves on some level that we we recognize the wisdom of it yeah yeah and you know sometimes i even think i mean when i remember i left home very early I I um I wanted to explore the world and mm-hmm. um when I was 16 I I packed my bags and you know my I sometimes today I think how could you let me go I was 16 <laughs> you know and they said but we we trusted you we we trusted you that you're going to go your way because maybe they have felt that early on that I am mm-hmm. going to go my way and and I did, and um, I had so many mentors, which weren't just my f- my parents or my family, you know. And 
I think that is also something I I also once I worked in a big company and my boss was just oh he was the wisest man you can imagine and mm-hmm. luckily I was able to work like 10 years with him and um mm. um I told him just I I wrote a letter not long ago and I told him I hope you know this uh, I've told him many times but he was like, and that's also what I think. I um, that maybe it doesn't have to be the parents to to, um, but we can trust others that there will be people and uh, mm. which we can also learn from. Yeah. Right. But yeah, one thing I actually wanted to to jump back to before I forget, and it it might actually be a, a good way to to put a bow on things is. I know you had started on your story of of your near death experience and I was just curious how that how that ended and obviously you're you're here today but how you how you got out of that situation and and I guess what your final reflections on it would be Yeah so um I mean I was yeah I was young I was 17 years old and um but you know, I've never, um, so yeah, I, I mean, I got saved by our dog. Um, she really, oh, okay. yeah, she, she really saved my life. And, um, that, that was, uh, that was so special, you know, just a side story when, um, so when you have someone who saves your life, of course, you get a completely, you have a bond with this person or with this dog in my case and Mm -hmm. um she was my guardian angel i mean i knew that she was just my guardian angel and i felt safe all the time as long as she was around and imagine this story i was so close to her and one day i was in mexico holidays and um that was many years later and I, I am, I would say, a deeply happy person. Um, I, I have a lot of, I don't know, I don't know what it is, but it's just, um, I, I, as a teenager, as a kid, um, um, of course, I was sad sometimes, but I, I don't remember myself being really sad for for long mm-hmm. time and. And so suddenly I was, uh, we were going out for dinner and I was, um, my boyfriend's there, he was, he was still preparing himself and I was finished. So I was walking at the beach and, um, it was full moon and suddenly I felt this deep sadness coming over me and Mm -hmm. it was like, really, it just, it just came over me and I was sad. I was so sad and I had no idea what's happening with me. It was so strange. And also because I didn't really know this deep sadness. It was very new for me. And I had no idea what's going on. Just that I knew something bad has happened. It it was the only Mm -hmm. way I could explain it. It it, it really Mm -hmm. was just so sudden. So I went back to the room and um, I, I called my my mom and my parents, I said, is everything okay? And she said, 
yeah, everything is okay. And I knew that. I knew she she doesn't want to tell me. Uh, I, I just knew, no, mm. she, she wants to protect me. And um, I thought, okay. But uh, so this night, it was, I was watching the full moon all the time. I was, and, and it was, all, I was still very sad, but it was all right. And um, two weeks afterwards, when I, when I landed, um, my mom, she came to get me and that's, they don't come and get me at the airport. Normally I take the train afterwards and, and she comes and gets me and she, she looks at me and she says, Anna, the, the night you called us, she said, that was when Lupa died and there mm. was, our dog had died. And I just, from then on, it was for me, I felt so alone. It was the first time in my life that I felt so alone because my guardian angel wasn't there anymore. And mm. um, it, I've never, I mean, of course I've, been thinking about it one day she's gonna die and all that stuff but it it just shook me it just really uh took the floor just pulled the floor away from me from my feet and I I struggled I struggled a long time with the death uh, and loss of my guardian angel but um I mean but also this you get over it today I look at the moon and I know she's there she's Walking alone, no, not alone. Mm. There are many other dogs and many other people walking on the moon <laughs> in my <laughs> in my um, childish vision. But um, yeah, so back to the story. She she saved my life, and um, uh, which is incredible. And so I was completely frozen. Uh, we can really mm. say so. I was completely. Um, I can't remember how much degrees my body had, but it was uh, in a very bad state. It, mm. it was in such a bad state that the only thing I remember, because before I fell into a shock state, mm -hmm. was the um, the the doctor. He said we might need to amputee her legs, and that's that's. Mm. And then I was gone. I thought, okay, now <laughs> I'm just gonna switch off here for a moment. Y you guys, you mm. do whatever you have to do. But um, uh, it was painful. It was it was the, the more the painful was uh, before when it happened. When when your body is starting to freeze to death, and that's very mm. painful. But um, but then again, there are so many stages. But um, it was you know also the. the the story, uh, which also again shows a little bit of this, this um, how I think and how I live and how I go through life. It's I want to take the best out of it, no matter what happens to me. And I remember when I woke up, I was in the ER, emergency room, and um, no, in the intensive care station, intensive mm -hmm. care, yeah. And I just remember waking up and this beep, beep everywhere. And I remember saying to him, maybe we have to amputee her legs. And mm -hmm. and I looked down, but the bed, the 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 layer on the bed was was it was um going over the bed. So I couldn't see, you know, my body. Mm. I, I couldn't see the traces of my body. 
and I couldn't feel anything. Um, my body was completely uh, very loss of, of feeling and everything. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't feel my legs. And um, and I remember that I told myself, and this is a coping strategy, which I always had or have. Um, I told myself, before you look, you're gonna ha- you have to be all right with it. <laughs> you have to be all mm-hmm. right with it. And I mean, the nurse came in and I said, please, I need some time here now. And she said, okay. She said, just call me when you're done. Two hours. It took me two hours. <laughs> wow. And I remember lying there and thinking, um, how is my life going to be without legs? And, mm-hmm. you know, I really, I I tried to went through it. I tried to visualize it. I tried to uh, think about it. And just to get me there that I'm going to say, I'm going to be all right with that. I said, uh, mm-hmm. Anna, uh, you know yourself. You, you're going to, you're alive. I mean, that's, that was to come back to the, to the resume is that um, I, I was alive. I mean, that's, all that counts and today Mm. also every day the only thing i wake up and i i when i wake up i'm happy because i know i'm again i'm alive i i did wake up i didn't go Mm. into my dream world forever no i did wake (laughs) up and i have another chance so just to be alive was for me the biggest thing so that's maybe also why Maybe that's the thing and not my coping strategy or something. Maybe that's the thing that I was just so thankful to be alive. And two hours later, I just looked under and (laughs) I saw my legs, which I didn't understand because I didn't feel them. (laughs) (laughs) But um, yeah, but I think, you know, um, it took a long time took a very long time to get back the senses um in my feet soles do we say soles the feet mm-hmm. yeah yeah uh took a very long time like over 10 10 15 years so for 10 15 oh, wow. years yeah yeah i didn't feel my foot touching the the ground which mm-hmm. felt that i was flying and i loved it <laughs> Wow. And uh, yeah, that's a, a fascinating perspective to have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's an incredible story. I mean, it it sounds like that was a a truly defining formative moment for you and the the fact that you were able to come to terms with that and then as we've already kind of spoke to, I think it brings it full circle that to to go to that place where you almost assume the worst and are able to come to terms with that. And then you, you wake up if you will, and, and you realize that that things aren't quite as you expected, but that you, you could have been okay with, with either version Yeah, is, yeah, is definitely a fascinating place to go. Yeah. And you know, um, I have one other fascinating story to tell. Um, I mean, you asked me about the the cold therapy, the the ice bar thing. 
Oh, right. And yeah. now, I mean, just think about it. Just think about it. When I came out, when my dad was coming to get me from the hospital, and um, I mean, I was just concentrated to try to get back on my feet because I, I literally couldn't walk. And uh, that was like the first two weeks was just about this. And before I went to rehab, um, I went home and um, uh, my dad came to get me and it was winter time. But where the mm -hmm. hospital is, there was no snow. And then to get back home, you have to drive 40 hours up the valley it's just going up 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 mm. up until you mm. arrive in the village where i lived and um which is almost 2000 meters above sea level and oh, wow. i'm sitting in this car and you know these are the unexpected moments and i must say you know i'm a big fan of the unexpected moments because they're unexpected but um uh but this was one one of the bad kind ones it's I started to see snow. I started to see the snowy, mm. snowy mountains, which is beautiful. And my body just started to tremble. It was just starting to shaking. And it was uh, it was the reaction of, of, it was my body's reaction to a trauma, complete trauma, mm -hmm. of course. I didn't even, you know, yeah. call it naive or call it... Uh, optimist or call it whatever but i i didn't expect this i i thought it's gonna be okay but the body reacted differently and mm -hmm. in in my head i was i was i thought i was all right in my head mentally you know mm -hmm. but i mean of course it's a trauma when you when you experience this and i mean it was also that the the first week at home i just to imagine the trauma, the the, the 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 strength of the trauma. The first week when I was at home, I couldn't go out. I couldn't face the cold. And I had uh, nightmares about the cold and snow that I had mm. to um, vomit every single night. I woke up mm. because I was vomiting. And that's when I said, all right, um, I need a telephone book. There was a time with the telephone books. And I, I looked for a psychologist and I said, okay, I'm, I need to fix this. This Here is a trauma. Mm -hmm. I need to fix this. And I want to be able to look at beautiful snowy mountains without thinking about this accident. Mm -hmm. And um, so, um, and also before the accident, I loved the cold. I've always loved the cold and the snow mm -hmm. and and uh yeah and um so i fixed it with help um which is again that's that's there are people out there they they know how to fix that and and um and um and many years later um like 10 years ago now i started doing ice bathing and some friends of mine they say like oh yeah so i mean so you're now trying, what is it? Forgiveness? What is it? I remember I, I said, oh no, <laughs> no, it's, it's nothing at all like that. And I, I say, mm. why? I said, when I was a kid, I was in Sweden and I saw people going to swim and they were everyday swimmers and it was mm -hmm. cold outside. And I saw those people, it was, they were 
older people. And I remember sitting there at the stony beach, watching them, being in awe, seeing those people going for a swim. And um, they came back and I saw this lady and they were just having the biggest smile in their faces. They mm. were, it was just pure life coming out of their eyes and faces and and they were so, yeah, they were shining. And I said, what mm. are you doing and why are you so happy? And they say, we do this every day. And, and they looked so healthy and just everything was wow. And I ran mm. home to my grandma and I said, grandma, you have to start doing ice baths. You, you, start, you have to start to swim every single day. And she looked mm. at me and said, never in my life. <laughs> and I said, okay, but once when I'm an adult, I'm going to do it. And that's just, I knew, I knew early on, mm. this is something for me. So it has absolutely nothing to do with the, <laughs> the accident. Yeah. It's just more very ironic and funny, I think. Yeah. It's just really funny that that I'm back there where I love it. But um, again, it shows you that um, this is possible. I mean, this is really possible to something which almost killed you that you can uh, afterwards embrace it and love it. And I mean, I crave it. I crave the cold. It's just so good. And I started early on, which um, nobody knew about Wim Hof. Nobody knew about uh, the hype of ice bathing. It's just mm. beautiful. Have you done it? Uh, no, unfortunately not. It, it's something I've had some interest in for a time. And I guess I've, I've done a very modulated version of that, which is like showers that are cold. I know it's obviously not the same as fully immersing, that's worse. immersing yourself, but, uh, <laughs> it's, oh, really? Oh, I, I don't like it. I, I can't, I just almost can't do it. I try to do it sometimes, but, <laughs> but, uh, no, it's, um, I think it's harder. The cold showers, for me, they're yeah. harder. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, that's super interesting. I mean, I've, I've never tried the other side of it. I always imagined that that would be much harder. And I, I've always had an interest. I am very much, uh, very much a proponent of, I guess, the direct inverse, which is like saunas and, and heat oh, therapy and yeah. such. Um but I, I haven't had as much opportunity to to try it with with cold bodies of water, just kind of based on where I live. But it's something I've I've had interested in and wanted to. I, I guess I've soaked. I guess the lower half of my body before. I, I used to be a. I used to play sports, and it was sometimes something I would do for recovery and mm -hmm. for injuries and such. Mm -hmm. But I, it's something I. I've read a lot about the benefits of even just from like a, a health perspective. So mm -hmm. it's something I, it, that's been on my radar for a while, but I, I can't say I've actually really taken the jump of like a, a full immersion and like actual ice cold water mm -hmm. kind of deal. But I, I'd certainly like to try, especially after your endorsement. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, there are so many benefits. There are so many uh, just next to it that it's just a beautiful moment um and it, it's i mean that's also for people i do understand people today that they do it more often because maybe also because it's a 
it's a tool to be in the present moment. Um, that's for mm-hmm. sure because you can't be anywhere else if it's zero degrees or, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, but the other thing is just um, well, I always do it in nature. So it's I'm in nature when I'm doing it. So I'm surrounded mm-hmm. by the beautiful nature, which is uh, the biggest benefit for me. But then we talk about health benefits. It's um, I haven't been uh, sick once. I haven't had the tiniest um, nothing, just mm-hmm. nothing for nine years now straight. Not a wow. not a cough, nothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the immune system, I think, it really works your immune system, and also that you don't. Um, your body starts to regulate your temperature. You know, I'm never too cold or never too hot. It's he he regulates mm-hmm. it all by himself. Right. Yeah. He learns how to yeah, do this. It's, yeah. it's it's super interesting, and I think there's that's why I've had some sort of an interest in it, and I haven't, I guess, gone out of my way to pursue it. I'm sure I could make it work if I tried, but. Mm-hmm that yeah even just from a a metabolic perspective i know that's one of the the more interesting variables because i i like to be in the water um and though i've been in pools in ocean water that's relatively cold Mm -hmm. but that even just being in water that's something like 80 degrees i guess fahrenheit as we use here um which isn't cold but compared to our body temperature mm-hmm. which is 98 mm-hmm. it is it feels quite cold and so even the effort it takes to yeah. regulate the the metabolic effort to regulate temperature when you're in a body of water that's that much cooler than you like it is yeah. you're burning so many calories you're so metabolically active that you that's why swimmers are are so incredibly fit yeah by nature because just spending time in the pool even if you're not swimming yeah. is is very good for you yeah uh so on top of people swimming in this water my mom actually is a an incredible swimmer and she she grew up in the the boston area here in the u.s so she would swim in the ocean oh, wow. daily for a mile or so which oh, is, wow. is pretty cold it's yeah. not it's not ice water but yeah. the the ocean water there is very very cold yeah and that was something I, I never was brave enough to do, but she she stayed in, in, in incredible shape for a long time by doing that. Yeah. And something that definitely it's it's definitely on my radar. And I'll after this conversation, I'm, I'm sure I'll I'll find a way to give it a shot because I I always have wanted to. I just haven't really had the push to to really make it a part of my life. Yeah, exactly. But that's exactly when you say something you always wanted to do, they come back. They, 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 they do come back and the, mm-hmm. the, t- the time, uh, when the time is right, mm-hmm. then, uh, then you're going to be doing it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think that's a, that's a great insight to, uh, to kind of leave our audience with. And I, I want to be respectful of your time. I know it's much later there than it is here, but, um, yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed this. I, I appreciate you doing this so much and just stepping outside of your comfort zone to to do this in kind of a different format and in a different way than than you used to and just to to take that leap with me because i've i've enjoyed this a lot and and just learned so much and there's there's so much that i'll have to listen back to and and draw from over time but but yeah thank you thank you so much for doing this and i i certainly look forward to 
to doing it again sometime soon. I would love to. I would love to because, um, you know, you are a very... I mean, I thought about this in the beginning. Why did I say yes when it's so not the way I think and work, you know, uh, with um, mm-hmm. the writing thing? Uh, but it, that is you. I think that's really just you. You're so a trustful person and I hear that in your voice and um so it's it really is my turn to say thank you and it um <laughs> I hope so much that your audience um that they're gonna be able to take some points out of it and um I'm sure I took a few points out of you what you have been saying in our conversation and um, I'm looking forward to listen to it again because I think there are a few points in there. And um, I have to say thank you. I, I really have <laughs> to say thank you. Well, you're you're very kind. <laughs> you're, you're very gracious. And and once again, I I look forward to, to doing it again in the future because I, I think there's lots that we, there's still left for us to, to discuss and to get into. And I, I think your perspective is just a, a really unique one and and one that that offers a lot to me and and has already exposed me to to a lot of new just thoughts and and ideas and lines of inquiry that I'm I'm not used to exploring on a on a daily basis so again thank you and and thanks everyone for joining and uh we'll see you next time yeah thank you bye bye